This week on Rotten or Righteous, we ask the question, you remember that time when Oprah reported on the Iraq war when it first started? Yeah, she was a... Somebody's being suicide bombed! You get an IED! You get an IED! Everybody gets an IED! faster we get this over with the faster we can stop talking about this movie good night hey it's it's not it's not gonna go fast tonight this is but this is worse than bar of christmas i, I don't it's know i don't think it is but it's up there oh i definitely don't think it is but i i did i did get a lot of borrowed christmas vibes from it so let's start Welcome back to Rotten or Righteous, the show that causes rabbis to tear their outer garments, beat their chests, and cry blasphemy. With me today, as always, every time I walk in a room, I get a high, and Scott gets tickles and kisses. Luke Taylor. Hi. Every once in a while, there comes a person who is the embodiment of the collective conscience. Buddha, Confucius, Christ, Muhammad, and I don't believe that person is Scott Judge. Not even close. Maybe a little Buddha, though, because... Uh, <laughs> and... <laughs> because, you know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm a, port- I'm a portly fellow. Buddha was portly. Um, <laughs> and me, my tickle spiders are bigger than your tickle spiders. Zach Geiler. <laughs> Zach would be the, the consciousness of Muhammad, I believe, with that beard he's uh, got. Did you guys know that you could listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you can get podcasts, unless you can't. So, uh, no. subscribe and, and, and at your favorite podcast listening place, and if you listen to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a, a little rating. Just give us five stars. We won't tell anybody. Hey! Why not head over to Facebook and like our page? It's facebook.com slash righteous. If you have something to say to us, well, you can reach us at rottenorrighteous at gmail.com or on Facebook Messenger. And as I said last week, I promise to check our email more this year. You promise? I promise. Hey, I other promise. than the hate mail I sent to us, have we gotten any from anybody else? No. That's a Google. Shame. Google keeps telling me that there's some terrorist from Guam that keeps trying to get into our account, but. They're actually not terrorists, Zach. They're calling you about your car's extended warranty. (laughs) Also, don't forget to sit through the closing music because there's a blooper or something there that I couldn't put in the main show, but had to put it somewhere. This week we endured the 1999 premillennialist methane eruption that is the Omega Code, a film that caused me to rethink the true meaning of abomination of desolation. <laughs> the film begins with the following on-screen text. Throughout the ages, man has been pillaged. Throughout the ages, That's man true. has... That's very true. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Throughout the ages, man has pillaged Jerusalem's ancient artifacts in search of supernatural power. 
That quest continues as scholars seek to unlock one of the most mysterious relics of all, the Bible Code, a mathematical phenomenon whose hidden messages are said to contain the whole of human history. All right, cool, that's done. I'm ready to watch this dumb thing. Oh, never mind, there's another whole paragraph. Yet now, some are using the latest technology to scour the Bible code for an even darker secret, the key to Jerusalem. For it has been foretold in the apocalyptic books of Daniel and Revelation that he who controls Jerusalem in the last days will control the world. Alrighty then. I always enjoy reading a novel before a movie begins, so let's go. If Star Wars could do it, they could yeah, do it. Yeah, but Star You're Wars on the same level here. Had like some fun music, and you could see some stars. Hey, does anyone know? Um, was this like a thing back in the late nineties? Like, was the Bible Code like a hip thing to? You know, I don't. I don't remember. See, I was going on. I'd been going on thirty years old, and I. I was eight years old, Scott. Me and I Luke was, were eight. Were I was eight. 30. I'm an old man now. I could have just forgotten, I guess. The movie opens on a scenic view of modern Jerusalem. Okay, by the way, here's your first hint that this is not going to be a good movie. You remember uh, A Borrowed Christmas' first hint that it's not going to be a good movie? Is the fact that the opening credits like were shaky. Like they were trying to do something cool with the opening credits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this one takes Jewish words, and then flips them around to people's names. And as soon as I saw that, I said, mm-mm, this is not going to be good. <laughs> when I saw, like, a four-letter Jewish word be translated to, like, Bloomhouse uh, Academy Public Feature Film Fund, I was like, mm-hmm. It ain't happening. Somebody didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, even if you're going to translate Jewish words into English words at the beginning, at least do your research and actually do it. How do you know they weren't? Oh, because can, I can you read? Can you read Jewish? No, but I also know in Jewish that one Jewish word that's four letters long does not translate into thirty-seven English words. I don't know. It might. No, you it have doesn't. to know the code, though. You have to know the code right, to understand right. it properly. You know, let's just go ahead at this point in the show and say what needs to be said. Terminal hemorrhoids would be better than watching this movie. Terminal hemorrhoids? I, <laughs> I said what I said. I've never yeah. heard of <laughs> Deadly hemorrhoids. I, I've never heard of those, but yeah, you might be right. I feel like... <laughs> I, I, I don't... <laughs> I mean, I know we Are all have to... Are you imagining to... terminal hemorrhoids right now? What does it feel like? I, I kind of am. <laughs> Are, do they become terminal when they, like, rupture? I don't, I, I don't they, know. It like, just seemed like a good adjective. <laughs> no, they just continue to get bigger until it's like something your, goes wrong. Your internal organs turn into a hemorrhoid? <laughs> yeah. This movie's so bad. You know what I'm imagining? And it's really stupid. No, I, I don't know, and I, I don't want to know. I'm just imagining a guy sitting in his computer chair like this. And then all of a sudden, he just slowly starts to go up. up. (laughs) Terrible. It's terminal hemorrhoid. (laughs) Okay. Well, we see a rabbi named Rothenberg 
feverishly poring over an ancient writing as a Hasidic Jew approaches his office from the outside. And this isn't one of your neighborhood-friendly Hasidics. This is a naughty Hasidic. The rabbi types a few things into what looks like a Windows 95 program. Fun fact, this movie came out the same year as The Matrix. The Matrix only, that old? Yeah, I only bring that up, though, to point out the fact that The Matrix, you can watch that tomorrow and still be blown away by the special effects. You can watch this yeah, movie was, and be put to sleep. You know, I was going to give it the benefit of the doubt. I was like, ah, it's old. You know, they don't have good special effects. But now that I know that, they're getting a bad rating. The program deciphers some Hebrew texts and reveals the following words in English. It says, Rothenberg, finder of the key, gone to God, sunrise, fourth of Av. The Bible code is pretty useless because it predicts the future five minutes in advance. So, <laughs> so you get what's going to happen, but you don't have time to do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> well it takes so long for dos to run all these codes that you know they could have had a long time ago but and then they got to print it off on that 1980s inkjet all right so <laughs> we're like in the first two minutes i know <laughs> all right so the rabbi scribbles a note on a piece of notebook paper and he tears it out and folds it in his pocket all right here's what's going on because i need to, uh, thank you wikipedia because without your plot summary, I would not have a single clue what's going on in this movie. Thank you. Okay, so here's what's going on. The program Rothenberg has designed is a computer program that decodes 70 eschatological or end-time prophecies that are hidden inside the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. In his notebook, he writes down all 70 of the prophecies... And then, from his notebook, he types them into his program to decipher them. So he tears out the 70th prophecy and put it in his coat pocket. The and Omega. each of these prophecies reveal something about the future. And then, after he tears it out and puts it in his pocket, this red laser pointer goes slowly over his desk. And I mean slowly. And slowly up onto his chest. And why doesn't he react? He has 47 minutes of laser pointer action to get out of the way. But it doesn't he's matter. Fin he's finished his work. He's done all 70. He's like, you know, this is my time. Because that's a silent pistol. Uh, shoots him right in the chest. Old The naughty Hasidic fires and the rabbi dies instantly because that's how chest wounds work. And then the Hasidic steals the notebook and the CD that has the program on it from the rabbi's computer. But he doesn't know that he only has 69 of the 70 prophecies. And so, our his, our, the, his, the Hasidic heathen bounces from the area. The Hasidic heathen bounces the from Hasidic the area? The Hasidic heathen. <laughs> I'm sorry, See, Luke. Did you have something to say? Mm -mm. You mean mm -mm. to tell me, instead of watching this movie... Over and over and over again to try to figure out what was going on. I could have just went to Wikipedia. No, Scott, you had to watch this movie. Oh, if you watched it Can more I, than if you watched it more than once, that's on you, though. I, I also say it. that it was especially terrible because the highest quality was 240p. It didn't look too bad on your phone. 
But if you got anything bigger than a cell phone screen, it was just terrible. I was trying to watch it on the computer. Siddick runs away when these two random dudes, which turn out to be prophets. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to jump ahead here real quick. The third time I watched the movie. How many <laughs> times did you watch this movie? I'm trying. I I may watch it again because I still don't know what's going on in this movie. This movie's dumber than a sledgehammer. Why would you but, watch it more than once, oh, Scott? I watched I'm, it. Scott. I watched it one time on 1.5 speed and prayed that somebody wrote a summary somewhere so I didn't have to do oh, more work. The third time I saw the prophets later on the show, I went, Haha, "Weren't those guys that were there in the beginning?" Yeah. Yeah, that that came through to me on, like, first viewing. Well, I'm not the sharpest <laughs> tool in the shed. Anyway, uh, <laughs> these two random prophets come out of nowhere, uh, and they lift up the rabbi's body and immediately find the folded piece of notebook paper, which, by the way, uh, has doesn't have a drop of blood on it because, I mean, it was right next to the gunshot wound, but this paper, pristine. Maybe he only bled internally. <laughs> oh, there's a little blood on his shirt, but just... And so, the Hasidic is running through the alley to make his escape, but then he's cut off by the two random prophet uh, guys that just found the note. Apparently, not only are they prophets, but they're also super supernatural, because they're able to teleport around the guy to surround him. And so the Hasidic is trapped, and he grabs this random little girl who's just chilling in the alley, pulls a gun on her... <laughs> <laughs> I told the you only person around doing nothing in the I, alley with her dog I told you he's a naughty Hasidic and so he grabs this little girl pulls a gun on her and then he points the gun at one of the guys he pulls the trigger but nothing happens because they're prophets you know, the then, question I have why didn't that dog eat him because the dog was kosher and he knew that he was an imposter uh, he point, so yeah so the guns don't work on, on these prophets this time. We'll get back to that. Uh, guns aren't working on prophets this time. And then, one of the prophets just gently takes the gun away from the Hasidic guy. Just, come here, bub. Give me that gun. That was it. <laughs> Conflict over. <laughs> but as the Hasidic guy uh, leaves... The two random prophets say, Daddy, your master, we have arrived. And I'm like, what are they? Are they Scottish? Are they Hebrew? What is this accent they're using? I, I could not place that accent. They're like, hello there. Tell your master, we have arrived. What in the world? That's heaven's accent, apparently. Knows. But the Hasidic's like, yo, bro, he already knows. And he points at a security camera. And then we're sucked into the camera, into this terrible early CGI version of cyberspace. And it's really not good. But at the end, at least, we're told the name of the movie. The Omega Code. Uh, Can we stop now? I wish. <laughs> Has anybody ever seen a worse start to a movie? Yeah. Yeah. This guy walks in to a counter at the store where they have a sign that says, we sell everything here. And he says, well, since you sell everything, I'd like to buy people for Christmas. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that it's worse. Uh, there they was don't a, sell everything. They rent everything. You can't buy people. You can there was this other start of a movie that I saw where a guy 
walks through a cave that was actually a shopping mall, and he was shot by a Tylenol and went through about 74 panes of glass. That was pretty bad. <laughs> good times, good times. <laughs> uh, after we're told the name in the movie, we are taken to a daytime talk show where the host, Cassandra Barris, introduces a doctorate of world religion and pathology named Gillen Lane, because that's a dumb name. And he turns out to be, he just turns out to be the worst. Yeah. He comes out on. Pompous, blasphemous idiot. Can I just, I I do need to point out something. That this movie can't decide what it wants to be. When Gillen tells a joke, there's a literal rim shot. Very quiet, (laughs) but it's there. I rewound it about four times to make sure I wasn't hearing things. I didn't hear it. I really felt like I connected with Gillen on a lot of levels. You remind really? me of him. We can discuss as we go through the movie. Here's another thing that I'm confused about. The man is a motivational speaker, and yet he has screaming groupies. Like, the Beatles didn't have fans as enthusiastic as this guy. And he just loves to jump over couches. He jumped over that couch twice in a five-minute segment. As in case you missed it the first time, and the communicate his was not energetic impressed. nature. After he goes on a hyperactive rant that makes him seem like he opened seven seals of five-hour energy before coming on the show, it's revealed that he's also an expert of the Bible code. Again, that right there was fantastic writing. He <laughs> opened up seven seals of five-hour energy. Like the seven seals of Revelation? Mm-hmm. Okay. We got it. Thank you. Uh, he's also an expert of Bible code. It's a secret code that tells the future. It tells things like JFK's assassination and Princess Di's accident. Oh, another note. He mentions that the Bible is a holographic computer program because this movie is dumb. Oh, and just to make the movie even dumber, he's an atheist. I loved how the hostess called that to his attention, too. If you've been asked, like, say, particularly people like you who don't believe in the Bible. Yeah, how do you not believe in the Bible when the Bible's telling you the future? Yeah. I mean, and, then, and then his little uh, smart aleck, you mean like... Jesus, Jesus loves, loves the little me? children? This She's like, I yeah, know. you moron. What's wrong with you? He's like, you don't understand. My mother died. Okay? Can't believe in God because that happened. But it's just so dumb. How how in the world? <laughs> I mean, I don't understand why people don't believe in the Bible without all this stupid code and stuff. But if the Bible's literally spewing out what's happening tomorrow, how are you going to look at it and go, you know? Yeah, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay, so maybe this movie dropped the ball on that one. Oh, well, then you're going to love what happens next. In Rome, the chairman for the European Union, Stone Alexander. <laughs> it's a very Roman name. No, it's very not. Italian. It's a very stupid name. They <laughs> Why didn't they name him Alexander Stone? That would have been better. Have either one of you ever met a stone in your life? Yeah, or, I, mean, or, I met like or, a whole bunch. Last last uh, spring, when the mud was finally done, we got a whole bunch of stone pulled oh, right well, in my yeah. front yard. Yeah. I met all of them. Or a Gil- Gillum? Is it Gillum or Gillen? I, I mount Gillens. Have you really? I have met a. I've met a stone. I don't. I've never met a Gillen. Uh, I've never no, met either. 
Gillen is the name of an uh, actress. Gillen's oh, Island. Gillen yeah, Mindenhall or something. Gillen Defoe. <laughs> was Gilligan's... Was that his first name or last name? <laughs> his name was Bob Denver. <laughs> no, I know, but on the show, his name was Gilligan. I don't know. Did he? I don't know that he ever, it was ever revealed he had a first or last name. This is too important not to understand. None of the episodes ever, ever specified. specified Gilligan's full name are clearly indicated whether Gilligan was the character's first or last name. But according to the show's creator, Sherwood Schwartz, his full name was Willie Gilligan. <laughs> Of course it was. <laughs> hey. Anywho, in Rome, the chairman of the European Union, Stone Alexander, is receiving a humanitarian award for literally solving world hunger. Basically, With a wafer. he invented a magic saltine that has all the nutrients you need. Oh, and the guy that killed Rabbi Rothenberg in the beginning of the movie is now clean-shaven and revealed to be Stone's assistant, some dude named Dominic. Gillum is in Rome, and uh, Cassandra's there too for some reason. For a daytime talk show host, she sure does get around. Wow. After receiving the award, Dr. Lang attempts to speak to Stone, but is brushed to the side. After having an unexplained vision and flirting with Cassandra for a bit, Gillum decides to go back home and save his marriage. So when he sees his wife and daughter for the first time in a while back in Los Angeles, the wife immediately scolds Gillum for spoiling their daughter by buying her a present on her daughter on his daughter's birthday. Which? Yeah, I had the same thought. Hey, it's your birthday. Here's a present. You're spoiling her. Getting her presents on her birthday. Well, he's rich. He's probably buying her expensive gifts because he's rich, and she doesn't need expensive gifts. She needs a spanking. Holly, and then that's this, right, a spanking. And then the the wife takes up the shrewness to a whole new level when she explains that she is jealous of their daughter because Gillum doesn't tickle her. You didn't feel any kind of uh, sympathy for this woman, Zach. After offering to tickle her, which she refuses. Uh, Gillen surprises his wife by saying that he's going to take a teaching job at the local university. But on his first day, he receives a note from Stone Alexander. You see, Stone had a vision that, after it was deciphered by Rostenberg's program, revealed that Lane was to be his minister of information. At first, Gillen refuses. But later, after being uncomfortably and very loudly propositioned by his wife while their child was napping on his lap, <laughs> changes his mind and then heads off to... I can't believe I'm saying these words. He heads off to Stone Alexander's castle. He's got a castle, What's guys. What's wrong with that? He, he's in, he lives in Rome. Of course he has a castle. Of course he does. Everyone in Rome. Does everybody in Rome have a castle? So Alexander begins to dominate the world using the prophecies deciphered by Rothenberg's program. This eventually leads to Stone secretly orchestrating a simultaneous bombing 
of a Jewish synagogue and the Dome of the Rock, a Muslim house of worship. Cassandra, who is reporting nearby for some reason. Guys, yes. she's, she's a talk show host. Remember that time when Oprah reported on the Iraq war when it first started? Yeah, she was a... She Somebody's was a... being suicide bombed! You get an IED! You get an IED! Everybody gets an IED! Did you say IED or IUD? I said IED, and imp- <laughs> that is an impromptu explosive device. Yeah, I thought you said IUD at first. Interuterine device. <laughs> you remember Jerry Springer went over there? <laughs> Jerry! 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 You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she's she's a reporter on the side. Uh, in between her talk show host duties, just like Ellen is over in Syria right now, um, <laughs> she is is reporting and she's caught up in the blast. But then the two prophets from the beginning of the movie save her from the rubble because they have a message for her to carry. Using the bombings, Alexander vows to rebuild Solomon's temple and the Temple of the Mount side by side, ushering in peace in the Middle East. Shortly after that, many governments agree to join a 10-state world union, which Alexander Stone uh, is chairman over. Basically, he just becomes ruler of the world. They keep saying 10 states. There's like 500 countries in this planet. Yeah. And based on the look of the leaders of those countries that were in his ten, I am going to guess that they were not the world's most powerful. Hello. I didn't oh, see I didn't see yeah, Obama. Yeah, but she had over the there. one sheik there with aviator sunglasses smoking a cigarette the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and then you had a Sikh. <laughs> And then you had a guy from it's good. Nigeria. It's good to see that. And then you had a Japanese guy. It's good to see that Jamie Farr was getting work. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he vows to build these two temples side by side because magically Muslims and Jews are just going to get along real well now. Well, Gillen is such a great negotiator that he just you know negotiated this peace. You know this this event. He becomes chairman of the New World Order, and this creates the best line in this entire movie there's like a a fox news segment where an anchor and a correspondent are arguing about the u.s's willingness to give up their sovereignty and it leads to the correspondent saying this is balderdash to which the anchor responds that's a low blow end of the scene that was some of the best acting in the entire movie those two dudes i just i just love that this is balderdash that's a low blow What's 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 Boulder Dash? It's a low blow. That's all you need to know. That's what it says. I just looked it up. First of all, Boulder Dash is senseless talk or writing, so it's it's not even offensive at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the 1990s. Things were different. <laughs> were they? Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there a game that came out in the 90s called Boulder Dash? Yeah, it's not an offensive word whatsoever. Uh, it's just nonsense. Let, let's do this. Luke, will you say uh, this is Balderdash, please? This is Balderdash. That's a low blow. Cut. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Bow! Um, 
Meanwhile, back in <laughs> back in Stone Alexander's castle, Lane is real happy being the right hand to the leader of this new world order, but he still misses his wife and daughter because they can't come along. Of course not. There's no way to get from there to here, here to there. So Cassandra gives Lang the message that the prophets gave her, telling him to follow the bloody papers. Lane is skeptical, but decides to go to the castle, or the castle's local creepy candlelit shrine that sits over some catacombs to investigate. In movies like this, wherever there's creepy candlelit shrines and creepy firelit walkways, who who makes sure those candles stay lit? The um, they're oil lamps. You know, you only have to refill them every so often. But still, who whose job is it? Hey, did you make sure that 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 creepy shrine out there has all the <laughs> all the lamps lit? <laughs> if you're an evil mastermind, I mean, you're not gonna have your creepy shrine not be well cared for. The other parts of your house, who cares? But keep your shrine up to date. So he's investigating. And another thing, for someone who knows and believes in the Bible code, you're not allowed to be skeptical about anything else. That's, that should be the rule. <laughs> that if you believe the Torah contains hidden futuristic messages, you have to believe everything anyone says to you forever. If I come up to you and be like, hey, I walked out from outside and Bigfoot gave me a high five, you have to accept that. Is that how it works? Yeah, if you believe in the Bible code. Any other conspiracy theory you can believe, fine. But if you believe that the Torah contains secret codes that told a JFK's assassination and Princess Di's death, you have to believe everything forever. That's Balderdash. Hey, that's low blow. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I was like Princess Diana's so, death. I mean, who really? I mean, okay, that was kind of significant in history. But like, if the Bible's going to talk about something, but I, then I realized hey, like it had happened like two years before this, so it was it was big news. It, not only was it big news, but it caused Elton John to write a to song. write a song for Princess Diana that he already wrote twenty years earlier for Marilyn Monroe. Mm hmm. Candles in the wind. Hey, I wrote this song for Maryland. Hey, did you hear Princess Di? Never mind. <laughs> Princess Di song now. I was sad that morning. It was on a Sunday morning. I got up getting ready for church. And Dad tells me, Princess Di's dead. I said, Dad, what? I said, yeah, car wreck. He's like, hey, guys, this morning's uh, rundown of the royal family is a little bleak this morning. So was she like, you're going to have to inform me I just on like this. to imagine. I just like to imagine that in the hills of West Virginia where Scott grew up that every morning his family got up and they just discussed what was going on with the <laughs> royal family. <laughs> that was important news. So, hey, so that, was, that, was, that was huge news when she died, though. I mean, that was... I mean, that just took over TV. I f yeah. I feel I, like if if a princess died today, like, okay, Meghan Markle dies, it'd be like, okay, she died in a car wreck. Moving on. Yeah, but, was was Diana but, like that big of a cultural yeah. figure? Oh yeah. Yes, Diana, Diana was, was married huge. was was married to Charles right. for a while. Yeah, right. And Charles was infidel or, or infidel. Charles was an infidel, <laughs> so he got beheaded by ISIS. 
<laughs> he was an infidel, though, but anyway. He, no, he was unfaithful to Diana. Infidelity. So the, they divorced, and he married Camilla. Everybody hated Camilla, but everybody loved Princess Di and felt bad for her. So that got her the public sympathy of the world. Well, so they were divorced and then to put at that it point? on top of that, What's that? They were either they were either divorced or going through a divorce when it happened. Yeah, so they, were, tr- they were definitely separated. He traded her in but, for Camilla. Yeah. yeah. What's he doing? <laughs> but Diana was renowned across the world for one kind of bucking the traditions of the royal family. She made Elizabeth a little cranky, uh, but Loved she was also by Mother really Teresa into humanitarian efforts. And so people would see this beautiful woman going around using her power for good. And so she was this, this giant influential world figure. Interesting. And then the royal family killed her. Yeah. So Lane goes underneath this creepy shrine and he finds the hidden computer room where Stone and Dominic had been deciphering the Bible code. Stone sees Lane on a surveillance feed, and he and Dominic go to confront him. Lane, who is suddenly not an Alexander fan, because he saw the prophecies, uh, accuses the leader, accuses Stone of following the code like a script, and being behind the Palestinian-Israeli bombings. Aww! Yeah. You just not realizing that? No, I saw it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I only watched the movie nine times. That's not true. I didn't watch it nine times. But... I, w- I watched it almost one time. You know what? Probably in the nine times, I probably did watch it almost one time. You know, we watched some movies that I have to start four or five times just to get into, like, 15, 20 minutes. This one was a rough one. Oh. But uh, Alexander doesn't deny his acts of her- or terrorism. But instead, it's like, yeah, I sure did bomb those places. You want to be my uh, my visionary? You be my, my number two? My prophet? And Dominique's like, well, hold on a second. You said I was going to be your number two. <laughs> Dominic's all sad. And, uh, you know, he does the logical thing. He pulls out a gun, just starts firing everywhere, ends up popping a cap in Alexander's head, and Lang runs away. Dominic immediately alerts the authorities and accuses Lang of being Alexander's murderer. Lang runs far, far away as Alexander and Dominic enter an ambulance, but Stone dies at the hospital. Or so you think. No, he dies. That's a big plot point. But (laughs) Lang gets hit by Cassandra... He's driving a car. Of <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> all the people, coincidence. Oh, hey, look, the, there's my ride. Of <laughs> all the people in Rome that you could get hit <laughs> by, it's a good thing. <laughs> Who agrees to smuggle him onto a network jet so that he can return to his family in Los Angeles? <laughs> can I just say, so why does she agree to help him if she thinks her boss is dead? Right, and she continue like. Why would you help a fugitive if you? Hey, hey, don't don't try to. <laughs> don't. She, she's, I know. I I know the. I answer. have a lot of questions about this. Why did she? <laughs> why did she warn him? Following the prophet's answers, why did she help him? Because, because you know, 
Y- you know what? It it wouldn't it it end the movie too soon. Exactly. If they if they, I mean, how would you get another 16, 17 years out of this debauchery? <laughs> this movie wasn't that long. I was proud of it. <laughs> it kept it under two hours. Oh, um. So yeah, so he's going to Los Angeles. Meanwhile, Satan enters Alexander's body in the hospital, and uh, Satan Satan just miraculously healed his head wound because that's the Satan I know of. He's always healing people, bringing them back to life. That's like Lord Voldemort. You know, he had to possess his body, right? And so, um, he calls a bedside summit together. And seven of the ten World Union leaders agree that Alexander will be appointed Chancellor of the United World in a ceremony to be held at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, which coincides with the reopening of Solomon's Temple. (laughs) In, in In Los Angeles... Lane goes to visit his wife. He opens the door. The little girl goes, Daddy! To which the mom responds, You're just having a dream about your daddy. (laughs) Good cover. (laughs) And then she writes out on a piece of paper, Bug, Bug. and points at it. So their solution is to not leave the house to have a conversation. They're just going to (laughs) whisper. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they might, like, redeem this. I was like, okay, they can't be serious. Like, maybe they're going to whisper, acting like, oh, they can't hear us, but they're feeding them a story, right? And then they're going to be like, oh, we heard them whispering, and then they're going to, like, pull some trick on them. No, they just pull out of the driveway. (laughs) They just literally tell them exactly their plans and everything else. Uh, And so their solution is to run over to the senator's house. By the way, Lane is friends with a senator, because what's a terrible faith-based movie if it doesn't have a senator or two in it? (laughs) And so they get over there, and the family is taken taken up to a camp by the senator's wife. But then the senator calls the bad guy and tells him that Lane is in his house. They're they're supposed to be friends, but he but he calls the bad guys. It's like hey, he's over here, and then when they show up and are not nice. To Gillen, the senator is surprised. He's like, guys, what? what's happening here? <laughs> it's so oh. stupid. You know, Zach, you, you brought something up there just a second ago that I have totally forgot about. This is supposed to be a faith-based movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why we're watching it. <laughs> he runs away. And if you watched, he does some really hardcore parkour as he's running away from the senator's house, old, uh, old Dr. Lane does. He's jumping over barriers, and I'm like, that's, that's why they had him jump over the couch so many times. <laughs> had to show they, established, they established that he was really good at jumping over at couch-level things. <laughs> but he gets away, somehow, and he and Cassandra end up flying back to Jerusalem. Out of this entire movie, if I can just interject here, that may be the only positive thing you can say about this movie. He jumped over the couch really well. 
Yeah, he did a nice job that's, jumping over the couch. That's, that's it. I feel like we need to pay respect to something. That's it. That's all we got. <laughs> so anyways, they're back in Jerusalem where they go to another castle. But here's the fun part. Because I went back and, and rewind it. The exterior shot of the second castle that they go to is the same exterior shot as Stone's castle. Wow. Just reversed. <laughs> same exact one. They just clicked the reverse button. Why you were paying that much attention, I don't know. Because I was like, are they back at Stone's castle? It's like, no, this is a different castle. This is the, this, the castle that the, that the, the prophets are in. This is the Prophet Castle. But no, it's, it's the same castle. <laughs> uh, so he's talking to the, the... He gets this piece of the... He gets the 70th prophecy off the page that these two prophets have. And while they're discussing things, there's a long discussion between the prophets and Lane about how he is still... An atheist. <laughs> Got to deal with that. He is standing in front of supernatural prophets. They can they can teleport left, right, here, and there. They just show up wherever they want. He's like, nah. So they get the 70th prophecy. And immediately after that happens, Cassandra pulls a gun on Lane. Yes. Because she is working for the devil. She goes, Have, don't you know that even even the devil comes as a messenger of light? First of all, I love the self-confidence that she had in herself. That's good. Not a lot of women have that self-confidence. <laughs> good for you, Cassandra. That's, that's what you took out of that, huh? Second of all, let's go back in this movie and see if this twist makes any sense. Because it sure <laughs> as heck does not. It doesn't. She's nah. helping them escape to Los Angeles. She's giving them warnings. She's going behind everybody's back. She's just doing everything she can to help Lane stop her boss until the final second where, twist, she's got a gun. And she had no clue he had the Omega code. Yes, she did. She was there when the prophets gave it to him. What? Cassandra saw the prophets give the code... To Gillen Lane. How far, how how long ago was that from this scene? Five seconds before this scene. Well, that's what I'm saying. But all this stuff you're talking about, she didn't know that he would be getting that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page, Scott. I think, I think we're agreeing with each other and arguing about it. <laughs> the. Uh... In the talk show, you know, she has him on her talk show, completely unrelated to anything, because she has no idea that he's going to be working with Stone. It's just like a nice coincidence at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> what I don't understand is why did they? Ha why did she have a talk show in the first place? Why couldn't she just have been a journalist? Apparently, they yeah. couldn't hire another actor to do the talk show. Because, well, listen, listen, talk shows are daily affairs. There's, you know, that no one's going to hire a daytime talk show host for one show a month while you go traverse and report on important things. But if she's not a talk show host, Gil and Lane can't jump over the couch, which is the only good thing we've got to say about this movie. That's he could still jump over the couch, even if it was Oprah. As as much of parkour skills as he had. 
you know, I, I question his ability to make an adequate escape because, you know, the truck's running him down, and I suppose it's a dream. But the truck's running him down, so he decides to run straight down the road. Oh, yeah. I completely <laughs> forgot oh, about yeah. the, the fact yeah. that, like, I can't. 50% of the movie's a dream. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, yeah. That entire scene of him going back to Los Angeles and the senator, and oh, my good, I can't believe I forgot that. There was no point. Fifty percent of this movie is a dream. That added, (laughs) it added nothing except a few action scenes. Like they got to do a few car chase scenes that maybe they wanted. You're right. I don't don't want to talk about this movie anymore. (laughs) Hey, that's great news. Let's be done. That's awesome. No, we're almost done. (laughs) Why? Why they couldn't just do that in in? uh, Well, maybe that's to explain. The inconsistency with the woman, right? Because she doesn't Maybe. actually take him back to Los Angeles. She doesn't actually put herself in danger uh, after the death. She's still on. She's still. Uh, well, no, it you doesn't. Know what? Because she I, still I hides him. I, I think. I don't think that was a dream. I think that they just had a scene of him waking up, and they needed a place to put it. <laughs> you couldn't argue with it. And even even if the whole thing is a dream. <laughs> It's a dream about things that are actually I, accurate in reality that's being dreamed that then plays a a, a twist into the plot line for the movie to... what well, it's so stupid. How can you argue? Scott makes just really logical, concise points. <laughs> exactly. Um, at the ceremony in Jerusalem, Chairman Alexander, now Chancellor Alexander, proclaims that he has become both King and God. Oh, blasphemous. That was wrong. That was the wrong thing to say, because everyone in the world turns on him right then and there. My favorite is the old rabbi in the audience who's wearing a nice suit and a white button-up shirt, and he tears open his white button-up shirt, shouting blasphemy, revealing a nice Hanes under tee. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> blasphemy! <laughs> I was... I was going to say, you know, it does not have the same effect as them tearing their priestly garments and, like, yeah. the passion or anything, but, you know. You know what would be really cool right here, though? If the prophet showed up. Oh, don't worry. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> so the crowd's upset by this statement. Uh, some devout Jewish and Muslims are, are getting together and shouting blasphemy arm in arm. Say what you want. He may be the Antichrist, but... Man, he sure did solve that Middle East. He did for a second. Out of the growing tumult, the two prophets appear inside the temple and identify Alexander as the abomination of desolation. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I read about that once. And then they just begin quoting random Bible verses. Some of them come from Daniel. Most of them come from the Gospels. <laughs> it was just a mishmash of nonsense. Honestly, I looked at this movie like a biblical Easter egg hunt. Because they, they, they'll do something like... I, I know this isn't in the movie, but it could have been. Like, Cassandra will wash, wash Lang's feet. I'll be like, ah, you got it. Tick that off of my Bible bingo card. It's just <laughs> this is quality proof texting going on right here. Oh. And then my favorite is at the end there uh, uh Alexander asks for a uh sign. Okay, Bible check. 
And then Alexander go, or, or and then the prophets go, a perverse generation asks for a sign, and the only sign you're gonna get is this. And I'm like, are they gonna do sign of Jonah here? Nope, they sure didn't. Nope. They just skip like seven verses and go, every single stone in this temple is gonna be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. But that okay. doesn't happen. It kind of does. Because it's a prediction that the prophets are going to resurrect in three days, uh, which does happen. Oh, uh, yes. So Alexander has Dominic kill both these prophets and then puts them on display as an example of what happens to those who oppose him. Keep in mind, how he puts them on display is he sticks them in a room. <laughs> Just laying there in their own blood. Just a room. Just a room. No one can really see it. It's hey, the worst budget's, display. Budget's hurting a little bit right now, though. I mean, they, they went with what they had. They have a room. Just throw them in there. <laughs> but uh, he leaves for his castle in Rome. And Dominic tells him that the Israelis and several others are seceding from his new world order. So Alexander says, I got this, guys. I figured it out. You know how we solved world hunger and the Palestinian-Iranian uh, or Palestinian-Israeli crisis? I, I could fix this. Nuclear bombs. Yep. It's right there in the code, man. So Alexander meets with Cassandra. She gives him the final code. When he examines the writing, it just starts... Disappearing from the piece of paper. Ooh. How? Why? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you had I, any kind of explanation for that because I didn't get it. The only explanation is the movie needed more time. That's all there is. <laughs> but uh, Alexander accuses her of conspiring or, or conspiring with Lane, who is currently being detained in the dungeons of the castle. So now they have to go down to Lane's holding cell where Dominic is just beating the living snot out of Lane. It's it's just, it's interrogating him in the plot synopsis from Synapse. In the summary from Wikipedia, it says that he's interrogating him, but he's really not. He's like, hey, I have a question for you. Who's your daddy? Why'd you check across the road? <laughs> Give him a second to answer. <laughs> Um, my favorite part about this scene, though, is when Stone's trying to be all intimidating, and he pulls out a little hanky, and he goes to wipe the blood off of the un the blood that doesn't exist. This man got punched in the face 37 times, not even a bruise, but he goes to wipe the blood off his, his face, and he, like, he, like, <laughs> he, like, flinches away, like, no, I'm not gonna let you touch me with your hanky. Get that tanky away from me. So, uh, after the beating... <laughs> Lane can't answer where this the final the final code is, the final prophecy, because he thought he had it and thought he gave it to him. He didn't know it evaporated. Uh, <laughs> um, and so Lane's left alone in his cell. The demons come out. <laughs> Just just wispy lines of CGI demons. And then he then Lane prays, God, Jesus, save me. Boom, demons are gone. Incredibly. So this was his uh come to Christ moment. He was no longer an atheist Hold at this point, eh? 
See, I was thinking that they were doing an homage to Paul on the road to Damascus, but then the whole castle started shaking, and what happened? Door opened. They was doing. They were doing Paul and Silas. Here, I thought they were doing a road to Damascus. They weren't. They're doing Paul and Silas. Doing a little everything. Yeah, <laughs> just up. Oh, I know what they're referring to there. Biblical bingo. Boop. But there was demons that opened the the. The, uh, no, it wasn't the demons. The demons left, and then the earthquake happened. Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought it was going to be an angel that came in and unlocked the door, so I thought they were doing Peter, but then it was a skull, so I was like, well, that doesn't look like an angel. They're doing the... Flipping the jailer. Flipping jailer, yeah. <laughs> so stupid. What What was What was the line... <laughs> I can't do this anymore. It's so dumb. What, what was the line that... Uh... Oh, one of the one of the seven made about the was it something long live the king or the king is dead dead is the king long live the king what, what am I thinking of here? This was a while ago, Scott. We are it's we are a, way past that. I know, but what what was what was that line? <laughs> Listen, this this right here is a sprint to the end, bud. What are you doing? Why are you taking us back? <laughs> You're killing me, Holmes. You're killing me. While the earthquake is happening. The two prophets are swept up into some crudely animated wind, and uh, their Kool-Aid, cherry Kool-Aid blood that surrounded them was magically just sucked right back up into their bodies. So they're saved now. They're alive. One three days, but they're alive now. <laughs> Lane is trying to find Alexander, but he runs into Dominic instead, and Dominic's about to kill him. When the two prophets supernaturally appear. And they just force choke him like Darth Vader. <laughs> they sure did. But with kind of like a little sign of the cross at the end. Did you see that? It was oh, like the yes. three finger force choke. But then they kind of did a very subtle like you die yeah. in the name of Jesus kind of thing. And then one so of the prophets looked at Lane and said, Lane. I am your father. Well, that's what I kept seeing every time Lane had the demon appear. I didn't bring that up because I don't understand it. But there's a demon in this movie, which is some dude with a cleft chin. He looks like Emperor Palpatine. He just shows up like every five minutes in this movie for no reason. <laughs> yeah, it's never developed out. <laughs> so they, they, they kill Dominic by strangling him, the two prophets do, and then give Lang the journal page with the final code. If I was Lang... At this point in time, I'd be really ticked off at these two uh, yeah. <laughs> prophets. Be like, what are you doing here? You realize they just punched me in the face 47 times? 47 <laughs> times! I didn't know why. You could have told me it was fake at least. Gave me a warning. He needed that so he would he would become a Christian. In this right. Jail cell. right. <laughs> That's what they were trying to do here. Uh, so he's got the prophecy. The only thing any uh, hero needs in a faith-based film is a gun. So he picks up the prophecy and a gun and goes to confront Alexander, who, with Cassandra at his side, is about to just nuke the entire world. So Alexander uses this whole situation as a bargaining chip to get Lang to give him the final code. Lang agrees. So he types in the final code, but Alexander doesn't really care what the prophecy is because first of all he just hardcore makes out with Cassandra she doesn't want any of that right after he said but he, he raised he, her 
She doesn't like it. Nobody wants to loves. make out. Nobody ever wants to make <laughs> out with a stuffy British man who's th- four inches shorter than her. She's like, oh, I can't wait till I get my. I wish I could go back and be on Dynasty again. <laughs> Did you catch that, Scott? Did you notice that I, she was on he, Dynasty? Yes. He just gives up his gun too. Yeah. Uh, He's like, uh, Alexander says a few words, and he's like, oh, give me your gun. He's like, oh, Watch me make out with this girl that you want to cheat on your wife with. (laughs) Okay. Oh, by the way, go ahead and launch the nuke. And that happens. (laughs) 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 I mean, I mean, it just, it just happens. The nuke. The nuke is dropped. This giant bright white light comes hurtling at him. He gets hit with the shock wave. He gets hit so hard, the devil gets knocked out of him. You guys have been, <laughs> you've never been hit so hard that the devil gets knocked out of you? <laughs> the devil gets knocked out of him. He reaches back. His gunshot's back. He dies. And, um, yeah, so he's dead. And then we get this, like, pan-out shot of the whole world. As we watch this entire planet be enveloped in, well, nuclear fallout. So everybody's, yeah, Wait. that is what is happening. I thought this was like, no, I thought this was like, Jesus I don't back. know what it is. I think that's what it is. Like, there's all these sparkles, you know. Listen, this is, this terrible, is. Like, like, a nuke doesn't knock the devil out of you. I mean, I don't know. I've never been hit with a nuke. Trust but... me, it does. <laughs> <laughs> here's a here's a I conundrum thought, I, I don't, for I don't you. I think this was a nuke. This was this was like Jesus coming back to start the millennium, right? Because that's the last prophecy. And then the bright light is like Jesus's power consuming the world. Maybe I'm going to just pretend that it's a nuclear bomb because that's the <laughs> only thing that makes sense. So, anyways. It's either a light or a bomb. We don't know which. If it's a bomb, it's the most joyful nuclear bomb. Hey there, everyone. This is Zach from the Editing Bay. At this point in the show, Scott began to have technical difficulties, and he disappeared. But the movie was so bad, and we didn't feel like waiting on him, so we just kept pushing on. All right. Just want to let you know that. Back to the show. (laughs) So, anyways, the Earth gets enveloped in light slash nuclear explosion. We don't know which. But if it is a nuclear bomb, it's not a very good one because it didn't destroy the printer where the last prophecy got printed out. Final code <laughs> deciphered as followed. Zero, 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 zero. Ellipses. Dawn of new millennium. The end. Roll the credits. So that's why I think it's Jesus coming back. I don't know. But I thought Jesus comes back at the end of the millennia. That the devil gets no, to he, rule. No, he... He rules. Okay, we got to figure this out. No, so this is the problem. Like, it doesn't even make sense in premillennial terms because I was like, okay, so there's a reference to three and a half years. There's like, okay, so there's supposed to be like the three and a half years of like blessing and good times, mm-hmm. and then there's going to be the three and a half years of the tribulation, and then I'm pretty sure I, I think there's variations, but I think then after those three and a half years of the tribulation. Jesus is supposed to come back and rule for the millennium. No, because... But yeah, you're right. But here's... They messed this up. Maybe they cleared up in the sequel. We'll see in a few months. Uh, 
Yeah, first of all, where's the rapture? Because that's when the Antichrist is supposed to rise. Antichrist rise for seven-year tribulation. Tribulation. Then the second coming of Christ happens with the Battle of Armageddon, where Jesus and Satan fight each other, which ends with the judgment of the Antichrist and the binding of Satan in hell. Then it comes the resurrection of the dead and the establishment of the a thousand year reign of peace or the millennium. But after a thousand years, Satan is released again for one final rebellion. But then is the final judgment in the beginning of the new heaven and the new earth where the world gets turned into the eternal state. And if you're listening to this saying, hey, this sounds pretty dumb. You're right. It is. <laughs> I feel, yeah so it's like for even from a premillennial standpoint this movie doesn't even make sense like there's there's no tribulation there's no rapture i think i think some believe in the rapture and some don't but there's no then there's there's no um like it doesn't even fit the storyline of premillennialism so i don't know i don't even know where they're getting this stuff all right i'm done talking about this stupid movie and i'm sure you're done listening to the four people that stick around this long in the podcast, I'm sorry. I told you, though, we're ringing in the 2021 wrong. And we sure did. We got a new rating scale. The SEPS scale. We're going to give each movie that we watch uh, a review on three cat- or four different categories, each worth 25 points. Scriptural accuracy, entertainment value, parental control, or should you watch... And then we will average all that stuff up and put it on a grading scale. And here we use uh, the Carleton University rating scale from Ontario, Canada. Go Ravens. First things first. On a scale of 1 to 10, or 1 to 25, Scott, how would you rate this on scriptural accuracy? A 1. You're giving it a 1? I'm giving it a 1. Just because somebody mentions a Bible verse doesn't make it scripturally accurate. It's hogwash. Gave it a one. Boulder Dash. This whole movie. Hey! It's a low blow. <laughs> How would you rate this on a scale of 1 to 25? Or a scale to 0 to 25? Like, I can give this like a 5. What? And <laughs> I can give it a 5. And here's the reason why. There were some scriptures that were used that were kind of well from i i don't obviously agree with the premillennial bent to it but from a premillennial perspective if you know there are scriptures that were used accurately for that view in so many ways so i'll give them a i'll give them a five for uh i guess effort you know i was prepared to give them a five too because i really like the way that they took every bible story put it in a hat shook it up just said hey we're gonna do this one for this scene um until we just had our final discussion there, where we realized that they weren't even accurate to premillennialist doctrine. <laughs> not They're only more. not only were they expounding lies by teaching the false doctrine of premillennialism, but they got their own false doctrine wrong. <laughs> and for that, yeah. I'm going to give it a two, only because I enjoyed the random quoting of random scripture. <laughs> it was kind of entertaining just to see how they would use different scriptures. 
Well, it's funny well, Luke, that you you're said a, you're a liberal. That you Luke. said entertaining because our next category is entertainment value. Did you right. enjoy sitting down and watching this movie on a scale of zero to twenty-five, Scott? I again, I want to stick with my scores because I thought they were one to twenty-five. I want to give it a one. <laughs> I did not. This movie is is. Horrible. Can I just go ahead and fill it in for one across the board here, yeah, Scott? You can go ahead and knock that out. Well, hold on a second. No, I'm going to fight you on that one, but. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. You, yeah, you weren't get, entertained. I, I was not entertained. Matter of fact, I, I just... I, I'll probably cry myself to sleep again tonight. I After watching it. entertaining about this. <laughs> All right, Luke, where are you at? I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it a five. Um, so everything is now relative on the scale of the bottom... Or not relative. Every everything is now judged based on the scale of the movie at the bottom, which is Borrowed Christmas. Mm-hmm. Borrowed Christmas was painful. Well, to actually, watch. we kind of had a hard reset last week, where our lowest rated movie is actually Mary Magdalene, because you can't really compare the one to ten scale to the zero to one hundred scale with the four different categories. All right. Well, however you however you score your twenty five points is up to you. But it it, it would be hard to uh, maybe we'll have a special where or a couple week special where we go through our <laughs> first thirty thirty two ratings and put them on the new scale. <laughs> That'd be entertaining. <laughs> having having the bird Christmas burned in the back of my mind, even moving on to a new scale. I'd have to say five. You know, there was, I guess, if I was, you can make an interesting movie about premillennialism, even mm-hmm. though I don't believe it. Like, talking about the Antichrist and the Underworld, you can come up with some stuff that's pretty entertaining. In fact, I've seen some movies that are pretty entertaining, even though I don't agree with them. Uh, but this was, this was bad. I mean, the actors were bad. The quality of the actual video made it hard to enjoy. Yeah, but it was and free then, on YouTube. I can't. Yeah, true. Um, but no, it was it was too long. It didn't connect. It was uh, it wasn't painful to sit down and watch, but it was definitely I would have rather gotten up and done something else. Mm-hmm. Five. You see, I wasn't getting borrowed Christmas vibes from this as much as I was getting um, Battlefield Earth vibes. Like, like for example, I would have given on our new scale. I'd probably give entertainment value for Battlefield Earth. I know you guys don't agree. But I'd probably give it like a 15 because I loved how bad it was. It was almost entertaining. Mm-hmm. That being said, this does not reach the entertainment levels of Battlefield Earth at all. It's not, I mean, it's not even like one of those bad movies that are fun to watch. I mean, it wasn't even fun really to make fun of it. It was bad. I hated this episode. I, I hated it. <laughs> I feel like with Battlefield Earth. You know, they had such a big budget that they could just come up with things that kind of kept your interest, even though the scenes didn't connect. So I'm going to give it, I'll give it a seven. All right. Parental control. Is there any Uh, swearing, gratuitous violence, any reason why you shouldn't watch this film in front of children or those of the delicate persuasion? Graphic violence. 
graphic vi- there was a handful of blood and some Kool-Aid spilled on the floor. <laughs> that hole in the back of that guy's head meant nothing. <laughs> well, you couldn't see it. it. The one gunshot wound you could see looked like somebody popped a pimple on their chest and it bled through the shirt. <laughs> I give it a five. What? <laughs> This is bias. Yeah, that's that's not that's not right. <laughs> I mean, that's just blatantly wrong. How can you say it's 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 there's not parental issues in there with all the violence? I would let my three year old son watch this with a smile on my face. There is nothing really? in there that is scary, overly violent. There's not a single bad word. The worst bad word they have is boulder dash, and somebody gets called out for it. You how is how is a gunshot wound to the head not violent? Would you uh, what would you rate Patch to the Christ on your parental control scale? Oh, it would be low too because there's a lot of violence. But that's you know that's that's like apples to oranges. Okay, real quick question: Did you, How old were your kids when you allowed them to watch Indiana Jones? I don't know that my kids have ever watched Indiana Jones. Okay, what's a normal? Okay, how old were your kids when they watched Star Wars? They were pre. They were preteen. Okay. There's violence in that. Luke gets his hand cut off. Dude get thrown in a bottomless pit. You got Boba Fett falling in the Snarlack pit. He's gonna be digested over a hundred years. Yeah. Leia's tied up like a slave girl. But you're saying yeah, this movie like- right here is gratuitous violence? I said graphic <laughs> violence. The blood, it looks so fake. It looks like bad red paint. What? Did you know what it was? No, I, I didn't. I think it I was Kool-Aid, not. but I am not I sure. Will not, I will not give this movie higher than an eight. <laughs> it's just one section, Scott. Even if it scores perfect on this, it's still going to fail. <laughs> yeah, I was homeschooled, so you know I'm pretty sensitive. Sensitive eyes, sensitive ears. I'm going to give it a 20. Uh, what? Yeah, there's... What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. How can you say this movie was, was... I mean, of all the movies we've watched, like this was one of the cleanest, right? Yeah, it um, really was. I, I've seen more violence on Sesame Street. <laughs> Zach's going to give it a 62. <laughs> no, I'm with Luke. I'm going to give it a 20. I, I don't Did mind... You see the- the graphic violence Scott's talking about? No, I didn't. The blood looks fake. Even the gunshots are underplayed. I mean... So I way underscored that, huh? I just... Yeah, by like a lot. I mean, this this right here is your section where you say, like, who am I going to show this to? You know, Nobody. I, well, no, I'm not going to show this to anybody because it's a terrible movie, but I'm not going to be like, I'm, I can't show it to you because of language. You know, if I'm just judging on the content, this is PG at most. Okay, all right. I, you know what? I probably let my disgust and anger. I, I'll give it. A, I'll give it a fifteen. Okay. okay. You don't have to, Scott. I'll, I'll give it. Now, come on, because you We have watched stuff that's been pretty violent, but it's. I I don't know. This movie sucks. That and you know when it comes to violence, it doesn't bother me as much as sexual content or. 
swearing. It doesn't... Yeah. Because the Bible is full of violence. Yes, it is. I mean, you read the book of Judges, there's some violence in that book that rivals Quentin Tarantino's last movie. I mean... Yeah. So, violence, I'm, I'm not too concerned about, but... So, with that category, we're specifically looking at uh, sexual... Swearing, drinking, swearing. nudity, violence. All right, and finally, our last category, should you watch? <laughs> in other words, in other words, is there anything redeeming about this movie? Like last week, Mary Magdalene got a lot of stuff mixed up scripturally, but it also started a lot of good conversation to us. So I found redeeming mm -hmm. value in that. I so, found none. Yeah. And I would refer this to, to one type of person, and that would be the person that suffers from migraine headaches if they thought their eyes bleeding would help relieve the pressure in their head. I would recommend they go watch this movie. So what what do you give it, Scott? That, there's no one, a one. So I was thinking about our rating for Mary Magdalene and how we brought up discussion points. Um, this was not as discussion worthy <laughs> as Mary Magdalene. Although I mean it might bring up some discussions about premillennialism, but even that is <laughs> questionable. Um when I, I other than that I see no reason why anyone would watch this. Uh, I would give it I'd give it a mm, a four. A four <laughs> a four. <laughs> Every once in a while a movie comes along since we've been doing this show that I that I that I fear for my immortal soul. <laughs> Cause someday I'm gonna have to stand before my Lord, Savior, and Judge Jesus. And not only will I have to answer for the hour and 40 minutes that I wasted watching this movie and the two hours I've wasted talking about this movie, I'm going to also have to answer for the three Encouraging to four to hour movie or hours wasted of two other ministers of the gospel. <laughs> but yeah, I'm giving it a uh, zero. <laughs> there is no redeeming qualities for this oh, movie. Oh, man. So here's how you know, it plays out. It, Scott gave it wait. a 17% approval rating. Luke gave it a 29%, and I gave it a 27 approval rating, which averages out, Scott. Hold up. How did you come up with these numbers? 17. I got 18. One, 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 and 15. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the first one. Yep, you got 18. And then Luke got a 34. Yep. And then you got a 29. And let me tell you, this movie does not deserve a 27. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, so 34% for Luke, 29% approval rating for me. What's the average? 27? 20, 27. That's just... It doesn't deserve that. All right, let's well, go got, over to our scale here. Certified Righteous... Zero to 49 is an F. But I think that's a little too lenient. Okay, so there you have it. Uh, the Omega Code, as promised, we're ringing in the new year wrong, is a certified failure. Big old F. Our first F on this new scale. Mm -hmm.
Next week, we are watching the 2014 American epic biblical drama film titled Noah. Yes. Inspired, I love how it says this, inspired by the biblical story of Noah's Ark from the book of Genesis. They got the names. <laughs> the film stars Russell Crowe as Noah, along with Jennifer Connelly, Emma Watson, Ray Winstone, Logan Lerman, Douglas Booth, and Sir Anthony Hopkins. Father said that one day, if man continued in his ways, the Creator would annihilate this world. Can it not be averted? He speaks to you. You must trust that he speaks in a way that you can understand. I saw water. Death by water. That's our new life. A great flood is coming. We build a vessel to survive the storm. We build an ark. You want? You don't know your king. There isn't anything for you here. I have men at my back, and you stand alone and defy me. I'm not alone. Choose you for a reason. Is this the end of everything? Beginning. Okay, it's time to sign off. For Righteous or Rotten... <laughs> I'm Judge Scott. There you go. For, for Righteous or Rotten, I'm Guyler Zach. I'm Judge Scott. I'm Taylor Luke. <laughs> Remember, say your prayers and obey your parents. But before we go, a butcher accidentally backed into his meat grinder... And he got a little behind in his work. <laughs> Good night, everybody.
this isn't one of your neighborhood friendly Hasidics. This is a naughty Hasidic. <laughs> Are you going to make it, Scott? <laughs> a naughty, a naughty Hasidic. <laughs> you should also uh, get a fake stash and uh, beard to cap off your naughtiness. Well, you got to get, get some curls, too. The curl is the most naughty part. That's what I'm going for. I'm, I'm going to become the next naughty Hasidic. Like a Chippen, You're there. I'm going to be like a Chippendales. And welcome to the main stage, the naughty Hasidic. Hava, Nikila, Hava, Nikila, Next question I have for this opening scene. We are in Jerusalem. Why is this Jewish rabbi's computer set to translate or decipher the Bible code into English? Do they have do they have Jew Jew computers? Yeah. They have Jew letters on them? Yeah. I've never seen one. Yeah, they're called the Toratosh. You can get a Toratosh computer. They, according, uh, don't come to, in other languages. according to Jay Weekly in 2011, the all-new kosher computer Jay, the Jewish news of Northern California. The all-new kosher uh. computer. <laughs> you know, we could probably order you one of these if you want, Luke. I would like a Jew computer. I have many <laughs> Jew things to do. I wonder if you could get a kosher computer at Jews RS. I don't know, but they do sell preparation H <laughs> for terminal hemorrhoids. Oh, this movie's bad. 